when we speak about vocation in general, it is good to distinguish between a natural call and a supernatural call. So a natural call refers to those dispositions, inclinations, desires that we are born with as human beings. They are part of the fabric of our human constitution. And some of them are common to all of us. Some of them are more personal, more related to the personal gifts and talents, to the opportunities that we had in life, to our life story. So some people are more inclined to intellectual life, others more to sports, others to business and management or politics or arts and so on. We are all members of the human race and as such we share a common condition, but we are also unique in our talents, ideas, experiences, mission in life. Our story is unique. So there's this tension between uniqueness of each one of us and our common belonging to our human race. There's much that we share, but there's so much that is personal. And generally speaking, we are all born just because we are human beings with an inclination towards the opposite sex. It is true that there are some gay and lesbian people. Estimate from different sources says that between 3% and 5% of the US population belong to, to this or have this situation. And this ongoing study on the causes of homosexuality and other diverse sexual identities. But for the other 96% of the population that is heterosexual, matrimony, in the sense of the union of a man and a woman forming a family, seems to be the natural call, the natural vocation, the natural inclinations. You know, our bodies, our emotions, our inclinations are designed in a complementary way. Physically complementary, emotionally complementary, spiritually complementary. So when I say natural, I mean it in the sense of deeply according to our human nature, to the way God designed us to be. It is very clear in the first pages of, of, of the Bible in, in, the, in Genesis that we just heard that God created them male and female. And when Adam saw Eve taken from his rib close to his heart, he said, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He recognizes someone who is like him, but different, with whom he can walk in life. And we knew about this complementary, complementarity forever. It's written in the Bible, it's written in our bodies, it's written in our nature, and it's also common sense, and has been common sense forever until maybe yesterday when we began to doubt about this. So this natural call written in our nature is susceptible to many influences. And the exercise of this call has changed throughout history, right? For example, we can think about polygamy. It's right there in the Bible, has been accepted. Why is it that God accepted that? Well, because after the fall, he little by little had to somehow lead us back 
to the way it was in the beginning, the way he designed us to be at the, at, at the beginning. He had to take us by the hand, so to say, until we were able to understand. But Christian culture, Christian perspective has always regarded polygamy somehow as below human dignity, as a very distorted way, if you want, of expressing human love. Missionaries have to deal with this when they, they, you know, they go to another country and they find polygamy. How is it that we can somehow respect this, but little by little lead them to something better? Because we know better, not because we are better, but because God told us about this. So the point is that the ideal of a man and a woman forming a loving and joyful family is hindered by many factors. It's a beautiful ideal, but it's difficult nowadays. It's beautiful and difficult. And there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of intellectual confusion, and there are many changing social factors that somehow hinder this ideal. For example, you know, nuclear families moving from one place to the other, not having that net of support. So many things that are making it more difficult to live out. Recently, a secular survey that, about this says that 50% of American families are in second marriages, half of them. The average length of a marriage is seven years. 75% of those who divorce remarry. However, around 66% of those who remarry, who already had children from the first marriage, also separate. 50% of 60 million children under the age of 13 live with one of their biological parents and their new partner. So the ideal presented in the gospel, when Jesus says, in the beginning it was not so, seems especially difficult today. The facts are there, and they are loud. We cannot ignore the real situation of so many people that struggle to live up to this ideal. That's why Pope Francis is trying to somehow, you know, help the church walk close to all of us who struggle with this. And he's criticized by right and by left for doing this, but he's trying to, on the one hand, not betray this ideal. You cannot betray or water down the gospel, but on the one and the other side, you want to acknowledge the situations and some, somehow be there for everyone. So it is difficult. Nevertheless, even in our secular society, this ideal stands. This ideal is attractive. In many cities, you will find padlocks secured to bridges. I'm sure you've seen this in, in the US or even in Europe. Lovers lock themselves to each other and throw away the key to the river. It's, it's a secular way to express that we want to be together forever, and we leave this padlock here as a witness to this. It symbolizes the need to commit, to belong to one another. And some people would claim that this type of commitment is not really possible. Yeah, it's a nice gesture. You can do that if you want, but it's not really possible. And it's not even good. Some people would say that the very fact of committing yourself to someone forever suffocates the authenticity of love, as if it makes it difficult to thrive. 
I recently came across an article criticizing this practice of using padlocks and bridges, and the author says, quote, love is a feeling, and it's absurd to think, let alone vow, that we will feel a certain way till death do us part. A free individual shouldn't lock him or herself down in a relationship that may grow to be an uncomfortable cage. Throw away the key and you throw away your freedom. To be free is to have the possibility to change course, redefine yourself. Once the key has been thrown away, there's no exit. And as, honestly, I think that if you don't think God exists, then you're right. Then it's very difficult that to, to commit in that way with someone else. And if love is just a feeling, something our brain produces, something only physical, because if there's no God, there's no, it's just physical reality, then true, feelings change. How is it that you can be sure that your feelings will work the same way, let's say, 20 years from now? But the good news is that God does exist, that we know that he's real and that he works with us, and we're not just a physical reality. We have a spiritual dimension as human beings, and we are able to go deep in ourselves and find, find something deeper than physical reality. And because of that, we are able to commit. Love is not just a feeling. It involves feeling, but has a spiritual dimension. And freedom is not given to us so that we can change and keep our options open forever, but so that we can choose. Not that we can change all the time, so that we can choose. Commitment in love is the supreme act of freedom, the supreme exercise of freedom. Being able precisely to commit to that level is unique to human beings. I was sharing this gospel with a group of men, and one of them said, yes, it's like Cortés that he came to Mexico and he burned all the ships. So he was committed to the enterprise, couldn't go back. And I thought to myself, well, it is some, something like that. When you invest in someone or in someone and, or in something and you burn your ships, it is more likely that you will you know, fight for it and not just abandon the ship, the first struggle that you face. But Moreover, for us Catholics, matrimony is not only a natural call. It's not only a natural inclination. We are not left alone with our natural desires and tendencies to form a family. Instead, or not instead, on top of that, it's a supernatural call, or through that, if you want, it's a supernatural call. Our natural desires for love are integrated and elevated into a higher level by the sacrament of matrimony. We have the aid of grace, the grace of God in us. So let's, let's stay here for, for a moment. You know, we believe that each one of us have a specific call from God to live as disciples. And probably for most of you, this includes matrimony. Not just as the natural thing that you do as you move you know, through the motions of life, but instead as a call from God 
to live as disciples of Jesus in the context of married life, of family life. And precisely the call is to live as disciples. And if, if you remember these past Sundays, we have been listening to all these Gospels that try to explain what it means to be disciple. Discipleship is about following the Lord, picking up the daily cross, dying to the old self, inclined to selfishness, and putting on the new self in Christ. So it's about dying to you so that Christ can live in you. And in the, in the case of matrimony, is a specific call for the man to love his wife as Christ loves the church, and for the woman to do likewise. It's the call to love each other, not with their own little hearts, but with the love of God. It's a call to receive the love of God by this sacrament that is renewed every day, and to love the spouse with the love that we receive from God. It's not just about ourselves. We're not left alone with our own inclinations to be successful in this, but we have the aid of the Holy Spirit that is the love of God poured into our hearts so that we can love the other with the love of God and with the help of the sacraments, with the nourishment of the Eucharist. And when we fall, we can go to confession and be reconciled again and keep going. So the Lord doesn't ignore the difficulties and the challenges, but he doesn't want to give up on the beauty of that vocation. And because of that, he says, no, let's go back to the beginning. I came to die on the cross so that you can have my grace, the, the help of the Holy Spirit. So you can do it now. Before it was very difficult, but now it's possible. John Paul II wrote, quote, to all those who in our times consider it too difficult or indeed impossible to be bound to one person for the whole of life and to those caught up in a culture that rejects the indissolubility of marriage and openly mocks the commitment of spouses to fidelity, it is necessary to reconfirm the good news of the definitive nature of that conjugal love that has in Christ its foundation and strength. It's the good news that finds in Christ the strength. Listen to more good, more good news. I think this is amazing. In another poll that I read, it says that for families that share their faith with each other, pray together, read the Bible together, you know, who identify themselves as Christians and somehow make faith an important aspect of their lives, divorce rates drops from 50% to less than 1%. And sure, we can think, well, not all of those matrimonies are perfect. Yeah, for sure. But still, it's an important fact. They are able to stay together. There was a an Irish priest, I forgot the name now, that he used to say, family that prays together stays together. And it's true. Because you introduce this vertical factor in the life of that family, and that is very influential. Because when we are disciples of Jesus Christ, we, we are better. We die to our old self. We become more open to the other. We're more inclined to 
forgive and to ask for forgiveness. We have the aid of the sacrament. We have the aid from on high. That changes the dynamic of family life. So let's conclude. The first conclusion is that Catholics should approach matrimony after discernment. If it's a call, I need to listen to that call. Is God calling me to matrimony? Is he calling me to matrimony with this specific person? Will this person help me to form a good, solid, joyful, faithful family? Will this person help me to bear fruit and fulfill my mission in life? Can I walk to heaven with this person? And if you're already married, too late, but you need to say, Lord, I'm married to this person. You brought us together. Help me to be a good disciple to her or to him, to be faithful to what I received one day before the altar of God. So I guess this is, the, is, is um, the call for most of you. Some of you might be called to a different way of life, a consecrated life, or to the priesthood, or even to single life. There are so many different ways in which we can serve the Lord as his disciples, according to each one of us, our own stories, as I said at the beginning, our own inclinations, and also our own possibilities. In any case, all of us are called to love and to bear fruit, and to love the ones around us with a faithful, fruitful, total love. And this is our fundamental goal as human beings. So let's ask the Lord, what do you want from me? How can I serve you now in this particular circumstance of my life? How, how am I called to be a disciple? And if I'm married or in that process, how is it that I'm going to make this work with your help? And finally, you know, get prepared because all vocations, matrimony, consecrated life, single life, are to be prepared. We need to train our hearts to love what they should love and in the way that they should love. By the way, this is the meaning of chastity. Chastity is meant to train our hearts to love what they should love in the way that they should love so that our hearts can love as disciples. So the love of God can run through us and reach the ones around us. Let's give thanks to God for the Catholic Church, honestly. Everyone else is giving up on family life. Everyone else is saying, okay, do whatever you want. I don't want to argue anymore. But the Catholic Church is not. We are holding the lamp of the word of Jesus and we're saying this is what the Lord wants and it's giving us a lot of headaches but it's so important this is a beautiful and important call our culture needs it so much the witness of good and solid and joyful and luminous families our world needs so much that our young people are aware that this is a call from God and that with their help, they can do it. So they won't be afraid of commitment. And not only they can do it, it's a beautiful thing to do. 